You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Episode number 43 of That One Time on Tour is brought to you by the band The Guts. The Guts, spelled G-U-T-Z, are a three-piece punk rock band from Santa Cruz, California. Their new EP, Femina Vipira, was put out by No Pants Records and is available now on iTunes and most streaming services. New Noise Magazine called their brand of melodic heartfelt punk downright addictive. For more information on the band, check out thegutsband.com on Instagram at thegutspunkrock and and on Facebook forward slash The Guts Rock. Now here it is, their new single, The Bridge. We 
Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Brian from Lucero, and you're listening to that one time on tour. Run for the road, cause it's going on and on. We'll be driving through the darkest night until the break of dawn. We'll be heading for the cities, another show for us to play. To get back in the bank tomorrow, we'll do it, we'll do it all again. Hello and welcome to another episode of That One Time on Tour. As always, I'm your host, Chris Swinney, back with another stellar conversation with someone in or around the entertainment industry. I won't say music anymore because sometimes I have people that aren't in music. But this week, I have someone that is in music. I got to sit down with Mr. Brian Venable, lead guitar player for the band Lucero. Uh, This was a big one for me. Lucero is one of my favorite bands. They have two records that just are very, very important to me. A record called Tennessee and a record called That Much Further West. And uh, we're going to get into that in the conversation, talk about my love for those records. And uh, Brian's a really cool guy guy. He was a little worried about coming on the podcast. I don't think he's done many podcasts before, but uh, we had a great conversation. We talk about all kinds of stuff as far as like his playing style and how open and kind of, you know, spacey it is. And um, he talks about, you know, Lucero's his first band. That's kind of crazy. You know, like I remember talking with Eddie from Thrice and it, to think about your first band being the band that you're still in over 20 years later, that's, that's pretty insane. So before I get to my conversation with Brian, I do need to do a little bit of business, a little bit less business than normal. This week, we only have two sponsors other than the band at the beginning, The Guts. You need to check out The Guts, G-U-T-Z. They're out of Santa Cruz, California. They're really, really cool, so check them out. Also, we've got Rockabilia.com. They are our longest-running sponsor. I love Rockabilia. They have over 500,000 unique items in their store. Anything from your favorite band, you need to go to Rockabilia.com. And at checkout, put in the promo code P-C-T-O-T-O-T, and you're going to save 15% percent on your entire order. So head on over to rockabilia.com and check it out. You also need to check out Muncie Music Center. You can go to munciemusic.com or if you are local 
in central Indiana. You need to go to 600 South Mulberry Street here in Muncie. They're an amazing little mom and pop store. They've got everything you need for music. I teach guitar and anything with strings at that store. So check it out and support them. MuncieMusic.com. So that is the sponsors for this week. Our Patreon's been doing a lot better. We have three patrons now, hoping to get some more patrons soon. Uh, if you guys, you know, like what I'm doing, you like the show, you want to get more involved in a cool community and get an exclusive content and all kinds of good stuff, head on over to patreon.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T podcast and get involved. For only $5 a month, you can join the club and it's it's a lot of fun. And like I said, we've got three, but it's growing. There are people emailing me all the time about it, so hopefully it's going to continue to grow. Some new news this week in T-O-T-O-T land, we now have a website. Well, kind of. It's a link tree with all the links to where you can listen, but you can go to T-O-T-O-T-podcast.com. That is T-O-T-O-T-podcast.com. It takes you right to our link tree and it's got, you know, the links for Spotify, Stitcher, Google Music, Apple, everything is there. You can find it. We also have a donate button. So if you're not into the Patreon thing, you can also just make a one-time donation if you want to help out. You know, there are costs that are accrued with doing this podcast and it's always nice to get a little bit of support from our listeners. But if not, listen for free. I'm doing it for you guys anyway. It doesn't matter. Other than that... It is a lot nicer in Indiana this week. It is not as cold. We are supposed to get some snow tomorrow, but, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe it won't happen. But nothing much is going on. I got a new car. That's going well. <laughs> My other car broke down. I think I talked about it on the last episode. But I got a Mercury Mariner, a nice a nice SUV for the family. I I finally feel like, you know, like a soccer dad. So uh, that's what's going on in my neck of the woods. Um, I'm really excited for you guys to hear this conversation with Brian. Make sure you're following us on all the social media platforms. It's at TOTOT Podcast. If you want to become a sponsor, you can hit me up, TOTOTPodcast at gmail.com. All of these things are over at TOTOTPodcast.com. So that you can just go, you know, your one-stop shop, TOTOTPodcast.com. Go check it out. Tell a friend tell a loved one. Uh, you can leave us some love or some hate on the TOTOT hotline. That is 1-765-372-8818. So that is it. I am going to jump into my conversation right now with Mr. Brian Venable of Lucero. And I'm on the line with Brian from Lucero. How are you today, man? I'm wonderful. That's great. How's the weather in Memphis? It is... Uh, um. A balmy, probably 33, 4, 34 degrees, maybe a little. We're the Mid-South, so it's like ridiculous. The other day, it's we woke up and it was 72, and by the end of the night, it was 27. So Yeah, I'm in Indiana, and it was the same way here. It was like 65, and by the end of the night, it was 20, and we, we just started getting some snow here. But it's it's been pretty brutal winter here for us. Well, it was real funny because it was getting cold. And we were in Australia last week, which is full summer where they're like 100 degrees. Yeah. And then we come home. So we missed whatever polar vortex, which we never get that lucky. <laughs> it was pretty bad. It was like below zero for a couple of days. It was nasty here in Indiana. Yeah. So, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about Australia. We, I have a lot of listeners in Australia and I actually, Steven, one of my listeners said that he spoke with you and said he couldn't wait for your episode of this podcast. And you were like worried about what you were going to say to me. Well, no, it's kind of, this is, I, uh, this is probably a wonderful, fun thing for most people. But yeah. when, sometimes when you're telling these stories, these are like shit talking at a bar or on a bus, you know, like, oh, you wouldn't believe what so-and-so did. Yeah. Or you wouldn't believe what happened, you know, and 
that's a big thing where I'm like, ooh, I'm starting to think like, what happened that one time on tour? Should probably <laughs> yeah. stay on tour. Yeah, that's like um, what, what happens on tour stays on tour, right? Yeah, and that's because this last time in Australia, I'm sober five years now. It's all normal and good. But the last time we were there was Soundwave, and that's when I was doing most of the damage. Yeah. Where, you know, I, uh, and that's the funny part for me was just, I didn't know. Australia is very lax internally when you fly. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it was just, we were playing that sound wave, and it, uh, so we would, you know, and you fly everywhere. So it just kind of turned into, we would play at noon, but we would fly to the next city at three or four. But there was that three hours or so to kill. And so I'd end up basically drinking a whole bottle of something. <laughs> yeah. And having to go through security and get on a plane, which they were flying everybody in shifts. So it wasn't just us, you know, you're on a plane with Slayer and, you know, Mike Patton and stuff from Guns N' Roses. And yeah, the Ataris have done Soundway before. It's kind of crazy. Some of the bands that you actually get to like interact with when you do that yeah. festival. Well, they don't do it anymore. Lost all its money and everything. Yeah. But yeah. It's nuts. You know, like Metallica and Green Day had their own planes, I guess, but you're just kind of stoked because you're sitting there going, Duff sitting in a con economy with everybody you know and you're like that's crazy and but that was where yeah i was hammered it's like <laughs> first time you realize it and you're like i'm trying to take my shoes off and they're like sir you don't have to take your shoes off and you're just like i mean like 4 a.m drunk at 4 p.m and it's like no shirt one shoe off an open bottle of jack daniels trying and they're just waving you through like just come on just come on <laughs> and you know, and half the bands, you get on those planes, and you're just rowdy, rowdy, rowdy. And about four minutes into the flight, half the flight's asleep. Yeah. And uh, so that's the one time I was, because you still, you get starstruck by certain people, because you're just like, holy crap. Oh, yeah. I always get starstruck by people. I'm starstruck talking to you because I like your band so much, man. Man, that's crazy talk. Thank <laughs> you. But, yeah, so I was just done and talking, Duff sitting there. Everybody, you know, you're not even really talking to him, but he's there. He's aware. And some guy walks up and was like, Brian Venable? And you're like, fuck, yeah, that's me. Uh. And they're like, you dropped your passport on the plane. <laughs> and you're just like, fuck. And Duff looks at and just is like, man, you drink too much. Jeez. And you're like, shit, the guy from Guns N' Roses just told me <laughs> I drink too much. You know, and he'd been sober forever, I think, by that point. Yeah. But still, it was just so like... Golly, that's like getting kicked out of the Black Crows for doing too much drugs, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, this time in Australia, I mean, like I said, I've got a lot of listeners in Australia. It's one of my biggest, uh, like, support, like, my listeners in Australia are one of my biggest groups that I have. And a lot of people have been emailing me because they knew that you were going to be on the, the podcast. How were the shows? Was I mean, I'm sure it was a pretty good reception since, since you hadn't been there since Soundwave. How did it go for you guys? It was amazing. Like, I think we were scared. In a way, like, uh, I, you know, like, we've been doing this. It'll be 21 years in April. Still waiting for people to realize that we're faking or something yeah. to some degree. You know, like, we know we're not, but there's still that, like, oh. And we'd never headlined or we'd never been over except for we'd opened up for Dropkick. We'd done Soundwave, a few single shows with Flog and Molly. So we were like, man, we're about to fly 24 or 5 hours to play to, like, 12 people. <laughs> we were like. Ooh, you know, and then yeah. we started seeing the pre-sale stuff and it was like, 
but yeah, it was nuts, you know, like two, three hundred people in uh, Sydney and Brisbane, I think five, over 500 in Melbourne. Wow. And they, like you said, they were just stoked and like, you know, Sydney and Melbourne were amazing, but Brisbane, man, they were, they were there for the show. It was, uh. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty amazing. So I want to I want to talk a little bit about your fan base is a pretty rabid fan base, pretty loyal. I've seen you guys many times. The last time that I saw you guys was in 2015 uh, down in New Orleans. And I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. There's not a lot of bands out there that have the fan loyalty that you guys have. I just remember, you know, that last time I saw you, it just struck me. Everybody was drinking and just yelling the songs like Ben didn't even have to sing. I mean, has it been that way? For the last few years, I mean, I know at the beginning it probably wasn't that way, but I mean, do you guys just feel very connected to your fans? I think the beautiful thing about it, and it's, I guess it's curse as well, kind of thing that we're we earn everybody one fan at a time, and everybody says that, but it's kind of for us, it's like we don't get really any radio play. Yeah, we don't. Um, I mean, we made that super fancy video, but. And then people saw it. It's a wonderful video, but I don't know who watches videos or if our our age range watches video. Yeah, I don't know. And just, and, and we're not, you know, there's not an MTV to break us. Satellite radio was, plays us some and stuff. And I think that's a thing, you know? Um, So live shows, do you know what I mean? Like that's, we go out, we play, we lay it out on the stage and then we hang out, you know, Ben hangs out more now than everybody yeah you know we all go out we say hey do some stuff but 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 yeah that's the thing it's like and then those people tell their friends like oh you got to see this band and then they bring their friends and then their friend you know so it's still pretty organic way to get fans i I really like that man and that's what's and they're that's they're not we don't have a million fans but the three hundred thousand we have we were found us on their own so to speak you know and that's the thing when you see the message boards or they're even message boards and the Facebook, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Frick. Um, uh, so, but yeah, they're all like, when we played CBS, everybody was stoked, but everybody was, there was a butt after it, you know, like, oh, I'm so happy for the guys, but man, I hope they don't get too popular. Well, I, I was you really, know? I was really excited for that. I set my DVR and everything. And, and that actually brings me to a, a pretty cool question. Um, my wife, I've, I've let her listen to Lucero quite a bit. And she's pretty familiar with you guys. When when we watched you guys on television on CBS this morning, she commented that she really liked that you played barefoot. Is that a thing that you always have done, or is that something like? Ah, I've been doing it lately. It's laziness <laughs> or nothing else. Yeah. Feet sweat. Um, it uh, I'm I don't being southern. I'm not Florida southern by any means. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's hot down here. Oh yeah, and. I've kind of grown up like people flip flops. I don't wear sandals, but flip flops. I'm a lover of the flip flops. Yeah, you know. And there's a point where it's like, if it gets hot, man, I'm gonna wear some flip flops. I'm okay with it. And especially back in the day, it just got to the point where it's like, I'm not gonna stop and put shoes on and go on stage. Yeah, yeah. So in the end, you just kick off the flip flops. In the early days, I did it a lot, and it was just funny. I'm a terrible guitar player. <laughs> I mean, I. Just, I don't know, I'm untrained. I don't know. I'm not, it's not a humble brag or nothing. It's just, 
you know, I, I've taken something and turned it into something. So, well, know, I, I mean, that's a good segue into another thing. I've got some notes here that I took down. The one thing that I've always really liked about your plane is that it serves the song very well. It's not that flashy. And I mean, I guess you're saying you're not trained and everything, but you, you do serve the song very well. It's almost a simplistic kind of approach. How do you approach writing your leads and stuff? <laughs> it's like falling down the stairs, man. <laughs> no, well, that whole thing is, I basically, do you ever hear that story like on the Chili Peppers when that John Frusante, and that the, the young kid that took, took over after what it is, he basically learned to play guitar with the Chili Peppers. Okay. You know, and I never played guitar before this band, so my whole entire career was to play with Ben's lyric, or, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I write, like, the goal is to make the song better. Not yeah. the singer necessarily, not the whatever, but just everybody's job is to make that song badass. Nobody's more important than the song. And so I just, that's the kind of thing is I was learning to play, but I also was learning. It's like, okay, there's a lot of space in my playing or used to be because I didn't know where to go next. And I would just stop. <laughs> and people were like, man, you leave it so wide open and airy. And I'm like, yeah, I do, don't I? <laughs> yeah. And, um, so, and it just kind of grew from there. Now they joke about it. They're like this part, this part, and then you do some kind of Lucero guitar to it, you know, like it's <laughs> yeah. become a verb. And Jim Dickinson one time was just like, man, I stay up at night. Like he was working on, I think nobody's darlings with us. And he'd get up in the morning. He's like, I just sit around and try to think, how do you find the first note you play? I'm like, <laughs> I don't slide down till it sounds right. And then start from there. I don't, you know, like I've never thought about it. And he's just like, there's people that went to Juilliard to learn to do what you do. And I'm like, well, there's people that played Van Halen licks under their covers to do what they do. I don't, you know, <laughs> Well, my, my stepfather and I talk about it a lot because I'm a, I'm a trained guitarist. I actually teach guitar now for a living that I'm not touring. I'm well-versed in theory and everything. And my stepfather's a blues musician and he loves Lucero. You guys are one of his favorite bands. And he always comments on how everything lead guitar wise is just so tasteful. And like, it's the same kind of thing. Like you couldn't teach somebody to play the way that you play. And I just, we really appreciate it. So I hope you know that. Well, the thing too is I have no idea what he's saying over there. Like that's the other joke is a lot of the stuff we write. I write parts before lyrics even happening. Yeah. And I love melody. I mean, that's something I am aware of, you know? And so, and that's another, somebody one time was like, your guitar parts are almost like harmony lines of his vocals or his parts. And sometimes it affects us. He's like, you can't play something because you're playing along with this part, but my vocal pattern is going to be different and it clashes and such. And so, yeah, it's, you know, Honestly, like, there's some lead line stuff I did, and I was doing a major scale, and they were like, man, it's crazy you do a major scale over, <laughs> or a minor scale over that major chord. And I was like, I didn't know that little M at the bottom was something different. <laughs> kind of, yeah. You know, like, and, yeah, so I'm solely by ear. Sometimes it's right, sometimes it's not, you know. Um, do you guys get together when you're, like, you know, getting ready to record a record or write a record? Is it most of the time you guys all in a room jamming stuff out or does like Ben bring in full songs? Like, how does that work? In the early days, that was how it worked. He'd go to Little Rock on Wednesday or maybe he'd go, he'd go to Little Rock on Tuesday night, hang out on Wednesday. And he'd usually write, practice, hang out with his folks, do whatever. He had a job there. And then he'd come back on Thursday and we'd have band practice. And then that's like the first record in most of Tennessee, I think, 
he would show up and have the songs written and all the verses and all the words, and we would just flesh it out. Yeah. And then as we started touring, as it started growing, he would have like three done songs and then parts of songs. And there was a lot of songs in the, they're not bad songs, but you can tell in the middle of our catalog, there's some linker tracks on some albums. Yeah. If we ever saw it down, I'd be like, that was done. And that, you know, he was writing lyrics in the studio. And again, if you don't get to run through stuff, if I'm playing some lead line that, that doesn't sound good with a vocal that I don't know because there's no vocal, no lyrics yet. Uh, but this last record, it was like, we didn't have really anything. We just went in and we just cranking them out. And then we had all the songs written musically, most of the parts fleshed out. And then we took a break. He went home for two or three weeks, started, he had to write lyrics to 14 songs. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm like, woo, have fun with that. And, um, so, yeah, it's kind of a thing. Before I quit in 2003, like okay. I just, dad got sick, I got angry, just everything was whatever. But before I quit, he would show up and we would play songs together. And we'd play guitar. That's the whole like, together we make a good guitar player kind of <laughs> joke was forever. And yeah. then after I quit, he would do it with Roy. So now the main thing is like, he'll have some parts and him and Roy will flesh out tempo and part, you know. And then we all kind of come in and start adding to it and stuff. So Among the Ghosts is the new record. It's your ninth studio album. You uh, you just mentioned you worked with Matt Ross Spang. How was it working with him? I mean, he's worked with so many great people, won Grammys and everything. Was there any difference in the production like when you guys were in there? No, that's the whole thing is he's just a Memphis kid, you know, like. Rick had known him since he was 14 or 15 kind of thing. He's young, you know, like you don't realize how young he is sometimes. I don't know what they record with now, but he can record every note that gets recorded. And so I'm sure there's some hard drive or something. Yeah. And even when we were just writing and jamming and he would listen, he'd have some notes. He'd say, oh, try this or that. But um, yeah, he just kind of let us. We did three records with Ted Hutt and they were very regimented. Yeah. And it's kind of like, and the, the first one for me, I chafed real bad. And by the third one, I was like, oh, this is how we do it. I mean, working with Ted Hutt taught me how to work in a studio. Like it was basically a three record class on studio etiquette or whatever. And it was great. But then getting to work with Matt was a back to like the old days. Everybody, even Jim or everybody was like, man, y'all know what you're doing. Just record the songs. And they pretty much let us have free reign. Which, you know, and Ted came in and was like, y'all don't write bridges. Y'all don't do this. Y'all don't do that. <laughs> and he kind of beat that into us. So we kind of got to step back. Like getting to go back in time with the knowledge you have now. Yeah. Kind of, so we got to go back to old ways. but be better trained musicians or something. <laughs> so I don't know. Do you, did you guys do a lot of overdubs and whatnot, or was it all kind of like playing live in a room? I know there's kind of a dichotomy between the two styles of recording. The way we do it, it's kind of like we played live in the room, like, and we've done it a lot, and that's how you get that. We'll play live while we're always recording drums. So we get the live feel with the drums. Yeah. And then you kind of build up some stuff. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I think I re-recorded every guitar part. But that initial feeling is when we all played together. Do you have, like you were talking about, you know, how you do your leads and whatnot and that you're not that trained. Do you have it all kind of figured out before you go to record or is there a little bit of room for some improv and whatnot? Oh, man, all I do is improv. It drives me nuts. <laughs> I haven't played the same thing twice in my entire life. Among the Ghosts, 
is the only record that I'm really playing everything like it is on the record, simply because we recorded all that. Like I said, well before they did the lyrics, they dumped 800 million. You know, like they mixed it. There's uh, Mellotron. There's parts, and there's this. And then when I go back, I'm like, man, I I don't know what I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And you go back four months later to learn the songs, and I'm like, the fuck is that? And so I had uh, Matt and Wes solo. I have a whole entire among the ghosts it's just my guitar soloed out wow and so i can go back and literally go because there's things i'm playing going what the fuck was i thinking <laughs> it's awesome but who played that wow well i i know the, the the times that i've seen you play i'm always pe- pleasantly surprised with what you play live because i'm you know i'm looking to hear what's on the record and you know you do something a little bit different but i mean ben kind of does that with melodies and whatnot as well yeah well i feel like he probably didn't want to, just yeah. as between us and everybody in the world. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, it's kind of like the Elvis Costello thing. you know. You, for me, the record is a painting. It's a moment in time. It's a beautiful thing. Live shows is what I thrive on. Yeah. You get up there, you don't know if the sound's going to suck. You don't know if you're going to suck. You don't know if the crowd's going to be great. You just don't know. That's the. You got two hours and 15 minutes to make it do, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that, for me, is... You know, some nights they get a good solo on YouTube. Some nights they get Brian Falls Apart. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is lately I have been, there's a few songs where I'm like, ooh, I'm going to learn. Not necessarily, I just need to know the area. I listen to nothing but crazy free jazz now. Yeah. And like crazy Japanese and German ambient noise. Not even noise. Like I'm listening. John Cage type stuff at this point. Okay. I'm listening to Art Ensemble of, of Chicago. I'm, you know, I'm Albert Eiler, you know, Ornette Coleman, to where as long as I'm in the box, I should be able to do whatever I want. And not everybody agrees on my <laughs> team, but that's the premise I go in is as long as I don't stray outside the lines, it might sound weird, but it's going to be in tune or key or whatever words you need to have to make it you know yeah yeah and so that's the beauty of it for me is i mean i listen to leonard skinner i listen to all the stuff i you know i just at this point in my life i'm listening to like i said this crazy stuff i'm learning about atonal stuff i'm learning about other stuff we never really listen to the music that we get classified with i i think it's kind of hard to classify you guys actually like it amazes me that you guys haven't maybe gotten more popular in certain like country or like outlaw country realms. Like it always seems to me the people that I know that love your band are punk rockers like myself. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing is and that's that tough sell. Like everybody loves Sturgill till he starts doing acid and talking about Buddha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he's going, he's going to, it's great. But housewives and well, say Indiana. Yeah. They're probably going to be all like, well, I don't know what this, that's godless creature singing about right now. Yeah. Um, our biggest thing forever was people would be like, I love the music. I hate that guy's scratchy vocals. I, I've heard you that know? before, but man, since I first heard you guys, I just thought it was like very original and I, I love it. But yeah, I've, I've heard that. I've heard that argument before. You know, most people don't want to hear original music. You yeah. do know. I mean, that's, I mean, and that's not even slamming anybody in particular. It's just, Popular music as a whole, the music we play, the music that, I mean, Western culture is all about to feel 
something from the past or feel good or, you know, like, or they don't want to think they don't want to have to wrap their head around something new. And that's here nor there, but yes, that's the whole thing. So we can be, we're three quarters of the way to being famous, you know, but there's always that one thing that's going to, whatever, you know, whether it's my weird guitar playing, whether it's been scratchy vocals, whether or just whatever, there's always going to be, that's the entertaining the masses thing. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing right with it. It's just, that's what, you know, that's that perfect package kind of thing. Well, I'm, I'm wanting to know, like, you know, you guys, I know you formed in 1998. So the band's been around, like you said, almost 21 years now. When you guys formed in those early days, what were you listening to that kind of influenced the way that you guys sounded? Was it, you know, the Memphis scene, like just living in Memphis or Little Rock having that influence on the band's sound? Man, uh, no. Um <laughs> I've been trying to start a country band, air quotes, for years before this. Okay. I, there was a point where punk rock, punk rock, punk rock, I got tired of it. I found a Leonard Skinner record and a Buck Owens record and a Joe Jackson. I found a pile of records on a curb somewhere, which doesn't really happen anymore, but it happened. I'd never really heard Buck Owens before he off and was just like, holy fuck, you know, and you heard Leonard Skinner growing up on the radio. Leonard Skinner is an amazing band. No, they're great. They are they're great. Overplayed. They are all this and that. It's blown out of proportion, but musically, it's insane. Well, and like the deep album cuts, I think, are what people don't even know, and they're so much better than the singles. The singles got overplayed, but yeah, they're an amazing band. But I'm just saying at the time, so I'm 23, 24, going, holy frick, you know? And that's where I didn't know about alt country. I didn't know about redneck shit. I just all of a sudden was just like, I was this fucking hardcore kid going, I love Leonard Skinner. I love Bolly Hatchet. I love this, you know, and this is, I'm going to say pre-internet. Somebody probably had an internet. We didn't. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so, yeah. And so all of a sudden I was like, I want to start a Southern rock band. I want to start a country band. And following that Leonard Skinner, Tears for Texas, Tears for Tennessee, that led down the path for me to Jimmy Rock Carter family. I discovered bluegrass and went, you know, and then work my way back around to, you know, the Blasters and Dwight Yoakam. And so I was in this world, but then there was also like Tom Waits' Blind Love and the Pogues. But there was a point where I was like, I want to be, and that's why that dreaded cowboy emo word, I used it one time <laughs> and it is dogged for the rest of my life. Yeah. Is that I wanted some sort of. Imagine Don Rich playing for Christie Front Drive. I was like, I want it to be this kind of indie rock, but have this kind of country, twangy, sad feel to it. Yeah. I was basically describing alt country. Again, not knowing about Uncle Tupelo, not knowing about No Depression Magazine, not knowing about any of that. And so, yeah, I suckered Ben into the whole thing. And we started, he was wanting to write, we were, you know, like I said, we wanted to do a band that sounded like Tom Waits' Blind Love. Like that for us was just like, man, this is it, you know? And that's where we kind of started in our haphazard way. And then, um, but yeah, as you grow, it's like, oh shit, you know, I wanted horns on a record. And that's how we ended up with horns. I was like, I liked Rocket from the Crypt. I liked yeah. these bands with these horns. I was like, man, we should have a horns on a song. We got Jim to come in on the demos for... 1372, and he came in and put horns on one, and we're like, do another one, do another. All of a sudden, we got a horn section for the next ten years. Well, I got I got to say that was it was a little strange because you know being a fan of your band when I bought 1372 Overton Park and I started listening to it, I'm like, wow, there's horns on every song. 
It was it was a little a little different. I liked it. It was just different. If you, know? you go back and listen to those Leonard Skinner records, there's horns. Live records, yeah. horns all over, Alice Cooper, horns all over it. Yeah. Oh no, I've had to fight for the horns. Um, but that was the whole thing. Was that was the other part? You know, most people were like cool with it. The people that really hated it, you know what? Uh, like you know what R and B is? Yeah. Country with horns, <laughs> and and that's the you know like. But it's a weird thing because a lot of people that like Johnny Cash don't like Otis Redding. Yeah, you know, true. And white tattooed guys don't like to dance. And <laughs> you know, I mean, that's not all over true, but as yeah, a whole, as a whole, it was it was supposed to be tough guy, you know, drinking, sad, and it's all of a sudden you put a little bit of like boom, 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 you know, and I, we're all like, and that was for us. That was Memphis, man, you know. But everybody else was just kind of like. Oh, now they're a ska band. It's just like, <laughs> really, that's your frame of fucking reference, ska. Yeah, I love that the only the only frame of reference is with horns is ska. You you guys are like mustard plug or somebody. Well, that was our whole. It was just like, get off the fucking internet, twelve year olds. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it just kind of it was nice. That's when we kind of discovered the Memphis aspect. Yeah, where it was like. We're in the middle of all, I mean, Trez Van High School, Booker T and the MGs, all this, Big Star, all these studios. Like, we were like, man, we're a band from Memphis making Memphis music. Yeah. You I mean, know? And that's why I ask, like, the, the whole Memphis thing. I know you guys talk about it a lot. You know, I've got the, the shirt that says Lucero, and it's got, like, the Tennessee State on it, and it has Memphis. Yeah. And it's just... It seems really cool that you guys embrace Memphis, and I think it's great too. This goes back to the you know the twenty years of Lucera. I know it's almost twenty one now, but last year on the twentieth anniversary of the band, Memphis actually honored you guys with Lucero Day. How was that? That was nuts, man. That was some. My neighbor Bill Webb is a fucking saint. I cuss a lot. Is that okay? Cussing is fine, man. We're on the internet. Okay, and uh, he knew the mayor and. That's the thing. Memphis is beautiful about ignoring all its, like, if you're not Elvis, you're dead to Memphis, yeah. you know? And, and so that was one of those things for us. We were just like, it was like, Oh crap, you know? And it was awesome. I mean, I got the plaque, you know, I don't think it's a day. I think it was just that day. Yeah. And, uh, but I don't care. I got the freaking thing. <laughs> just, you know, I got the proof that it happened. Yeah. And, but that's the whole thing. It's like, I mean, in the end, it is. It's like you grow up, and that's anywhere, I imagine. I don't know. Imagine growing up in Minneapolis, man. You know, fuck Prince, fuck this. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, Prince is good. Yeah. You know, or just for us, it was like, ah, uh, I don't give a frick about Elvis. I don't give a clap about the blues. I don't care about, you know. And then at some point, you're just kind of like, oh, shit. There's all kinds of crazy stuff coming, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it just, and again, we've kind of, it was our Memphis trilogy to some degree, those three records. We had the big, we have a new toy. It's called a horn section. So 1372 was, like you said, it was on everything, man. We, cause we had already recorded every or demo and just, he put it on. So it was like icing on a cake for us. Yeah. Whereas women in work, they wrote, uh, they were writing with us. And I feel like they were a little bit more integrated. Everybody's ears were used to it, whatever, but also they were a little bit more integrated with the song part. Is is the horn section still playing out live with you guys right now? No, they haven't for a while. Okay. Um, that's the whole thing is we strip down again. And then there's a point where, you know, you see bands 
I cite you too as a reference for that. You know, and they're like, if you're a band for X amount of decades, you're if you're involved in decades of being a band, you're going to have to mix it up. So you can't just. I mean, I guess you can, but. That gets boring, and that's when you break up or freak out or do drugs. You could be Slayer but, and put out the same record every time. Man, if only we were that lucky. It's never quite as good as that. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I understand where you're going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. Is so for us, it was like, you know, we were the underdogs. Ben's dating some crazy girl, and we're playing music for a living, and it's just kind of like, woo, we have that free spiritedness. And then we start feeling old or then, you know, we have kids or, oh, this and everything, you know, like you're getting all this kind of stuff. So the music's growing up with us and it's not costumes. It's still us, but we just, it's just, and at some point too, you become real honest with yourself. You know, you're like, I still love the replacements, Tom Waits and the Pokes, but really I truly grew up a child. I'm 47, a child of the late 70s, early 80s, I like Huey Lewis and the News. I like John Cougar Mellencamp, you know? But that's the thing is, like, you want to say you grew up on some whatever cool rock and roll, but realistically, if you listen to Rockabilly, you're like, you got it because of the Stray Cats. Yeah, yeah. If you liked R&B, you liked it because of Tough Enough by the Fabulous Thunderbirds or Heart of Rock and Roll is the beat. That's the first horns, probably, that you were aware of, maybe, or, you know... Um, any kind of new wave references or, you know, like at some point you're like, yeah, all you ever really end up wanting to be is Tom Petty. <laughs> totally, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, and that's just, yeah, he got to do whatever the frick he wanted, you know, and he just made song like, and that's the thing. Imagine if Tom Petty had started playing music in 2004, yeah. they wouldn't know what the fuck to do with him. No, you know what I mean? Like. Americana? What? You know, it's just, that's the kind of thing that it's like, yeah, if we'd have been a band in 1972, I'd live in a nicer, or my whatever house would be a little better kept, or, you know, or just, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, we're writing some of the best music of 1976 right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, I, I was I was looking at like a review of the new record, and I, one of the things that stuck out to me was it said these lyrics could have been written a hundred years ago, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and that's you know, and again, that's part of the stuff that the people that like that kind of stuff. If you can get, and I think personally, I think Ben's voice has mellowed and gotten more sing-songy or whatever, yeah, melodic or whatever. But for a lot of people it's not and like and that's you know and a lot of people don't want to hear you're not really just cranking the tunes to hear that sad civil war song about his <laughs> wife yeah you know and yeah you know and that, that's i don't know <laughs> so uh you you mentioned that you know you started playing guitar when you formed lucero back in 1998 were you in any other bands or is this your first and only band <laughs> it's my first and only band that, dude that's insane that's i had uh i had uh some of the guys from thrice eddie from thrice was on the show and like thrice is his first band like i was in so many bands before i had any success i kind of envy that you know your first band is still well, your band well and let's just say like my dad played music forever he played on bill street you know we're a shoe repair family but he's always wanted to be a musician and i spent my 20s you know, popping trains, riding buses, and being dirty, transient punk guy writing zines, 
my dad's like, why don't you get learn an instrument? And listen, you know, and I always had a bass or something. I never really learned how to play it. For about two weeks, I played bass, air quotes again, <laughs> in, a, in a band that eventually became Pez. Wow. In Memphis. Yeah. And, and that just was not so. But this is the first, like, yeah, I was like, I bought a, I traded. I still was trying to the other day tell somebody. It's like, I don't remember how I got my first setup. It was awful. Yeah. Like a Fender Baseman with a 115 cabinet and a Guild Starfire or something wired together, two single coil pickups wired together with speaker wire. So you couldn't, <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was a, <laughs> and, um, and at some point, eventually I traded or sold and ended up with a, just a Jap copy telly. Um, and I, I bought a twin reverb, you know, it's like, that's what you're supposed to have. Yeah. You never, ever in your entirety of your life need a twin reaver, unless you're playing a Coliseum, man. And I don't know what kind of music you play, but I was like, that shit is loud and clean and awful. Um, The last band that I was in actually was this uh, cover band. I was living down in Gulf Shores, Alabama. I worked for the Hangout Music Festival, which is something I want to tell you about because I I championed to get you guys on the festival, but it never happened. But I was playing in this cover band, and I was using, uh, my friend had the same amp you're speaking of, and yeah, we we went to the Floribama, which is this place down there, this big kind of country western oh, bar where that place is yeah yeah it's a great place and like I, it was the first time i was using the amp and i had to dial it back to like one and a half or it wouldn't even i mean it, w- it was too much yeah no well they tell you and you don't know like i said i grew up in punk rock i watched freaking four dudes with two full stacks between them and a bass 16 speaker <laughs> bass cab play yeah. a, a bathroom you know like I, we had you know it's like nuance was not something that was instilled in me at an early age and so but yeah i just uh and i'd go down to the library and um in xerox songs that i like the tablature wow and i didn't learn i don't know any cover songs except for whatever we know but what i liked was the chord changes i mean you guys do that jawbreaker cover though oh, kiss well, we the bottle back together we don't have to do that anymore oh but i love um, that cover that cover is so oh, good yeah. It's great. I'm just saying, we know whatever covers we play in the band yeah. is what cover. I, it's like, I just never learned, and I've just never, never did it. But what I'd liked was like, ooh, I really like those two chord sounds together. Now I can explain it better. But back then I was like, I don't know. Yeah. And, um, and I'd sit in my room and practice these, like changing these chords kind of thing. And that's a lot of my early day couldn't make chords. So I do the single notes and that's where a lot of my weird wiry lead line esque just, you know, like instead of playing along with the chords, I'm gonna do some sort of do 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 because I couldn't go chong tone to chong chong. You know, just yeah. fingers weren't gonna do it. And so, yeah. But this is the first like I didn't. That was the beauty of punk rock part of the Lucero aspect. Like we didn't do this to get famous. We didn't. We were just gonna play sad, pretty weirdo songs to piss off punk rock kids at the show you know (laughs) that was like hey i want to play with his i want to play with the loudest bands in the world and get up there and be all like ding 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 and watch (laughs) her be like what the fuck i was like that's the most punk rock thing in the world let's you know like yeah and everybody just sat down on the floor and cried and loved it (laughs) and so that was also the beauty that we were relevant like we weren't torn nobody was telling us what we could and couldn't do yeah so we were able to just kind of gestate and develop this style that is horribly wrong most of the time. <laughs> what was but, like the first actual tour that you guys did, like outside of, you know, Tennessee or Arkansas? 
man, like um, the North Mississippi All-Stars are wonderful people, and they will take your ass on tour well before you're ready. <laughs> and um, Ben bought a van. We would hit like Little Rock here. We might find somebody in Nashville or something. We were hit little places. And then um, but they were like, because John had known them. They'd known us. Cody was coming to see the shows. And we all kind of, you know, y'all grow up in the same circles. And yeah, they were like, you're going on tour. And we would go out for like three weeks and play like crazy places. I'm like, no, I'm, you know, some crazy big ass thousand seat room. Be like, I don't know what a monitor is. You don't have to put that in front of me. And this guy's looking at me like crazy. I'm all like, I just, it's just going to confuse me, man. And, um, you know, and I'm the weak link, honestly. You know, Ben had Red 40. Ben played in all these bands. John, like, the other guys in the bands are like, what you talk about? They, you know, Ben's wanted to be a rock star since he was born. Yeah. I'm more of like, I wanted to fly helicopters in Alaska. This is, uh, this is just as fun, I think. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like, I never, it was just a science experiment or an art project that, took you know that's cool man and it's great i love what i'm very proud of my accomplishments our accomplishments as a band but it's really funny when we started it was just like ooh, maybe we can put out a demo tape yeah ooh, i'd love to have a seven inch (laughs) Ooh, you know and that was the kind of thing to where and then some people found us i feel like surely to god we had a record before we went out with the all-stars god we were just if we just went out without that would be what we would do though. But I think we had the first record finally before we really started going on tour. And so, yeah, but yeah. So that was the kind of, we just, we got to do 45 minutes or 30 minutes in front of the all-stars crowd jam band, you know, early two thousands. Most of the time they liked it. A lot of times they were just like, what the fuck is this Debbie Downer shit? (laughs) You know, we're here to dance. That's awesome. (laughs) You know, you're affecting my acid there, fella. So, but hey, I'll tell you, so that, the thing that I was alluding to earlier, I used to, uh, I just moved back to Indiana for the last six or seven years. I was in Gulf Shores, Alabama, and uh, there's the Hangout Music Festival. I was actually in artist relations for the festival. And one day they were like, is there any bands that you would you know, like to see on the festival? And uh, it's pretty funny because I was like, well, yeah, I would really like to see Lucero or Childish Gambino, which is a rapper. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's that guy from the show. I didn't yeah. know that. And the funny thing was, like, I didn't have a lot to do with the booking. I did, like, artist relations and, and just different contracts and whatnot. But the funny thing was that year, Childish Gambino was on the tour, but you guys weren't there. <laughs> That's funny. He's easier to get than we are. Yeah, Is that what you're telling me? That's the yeah. that you story. guys are too expensive, I guess. <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. We, uh depending on what year it was, but man, we either work our butts off, but then Ben and Roy had babies. I think it might've been around that time or you guys might've been working on a record or something. It was a few years back. Yeah. It just, um, cause we generally never say no to anything. Yeah. And yeah, I have my son's 10 and they're all like, as soon as he's born, they're like, let's go on tour for 20,000 years. <laughs> and then they all have babies and it's just kind of like, I can only go out for three weeks or less at a time. Yeah. And I'm all like, Y'all can all fuck yourself. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, but so, 
Yeah, I, man, fat kids stage right. I just go where I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> so this, I want to go on a tangent now. We, we've talked a lot about the band. Now, you and I are Facebook friends, and I saw the other day when you got back from Australia that you decided <laughs> to shave all your facial hair off, and the, you know you shaved your head. And I've got to say, you didn't look bad before, but you look like you're about 20 years old now. Man, it's so funny. I'm the only one in the world that's like, man, I look like an old fucking set of balls now. I look horrible. <laughs> um, everybody else is like, you look so young. And I'm all like, do you see this face? <laughs> I just, it looks so old. Um, yeah, what, uh, what, what, what was the reasoning? Because like, I get like that, too. I've got a big beard, and sometimes I get sick of it. But I never take it all off. I just trim it up, and I do see, shave my head. That's, that was the whole uh, – um, I – I'm in a great place right now, but like four or five years ago, my wife left. It's just me and the boy, and I spent about a year getting real dark, and uh, the poor man had to live through a lot of crying and yelling and rage and just, you know, whatever, and then I started doing self-studying. I read constantly. I'm trying to like find this place. I'm studying Sufi and Zen stuff and just, you know, just kind of being all crazy, and like before she left, I was like shave my head bald, beard down in my dick, sleeveless shirts, you know, like <laughs> yeah. the look, man, the look. Yeah. And after she left, it was like started dressing a little nicer, grew my hair out and just trimmed the beard and just this and that and going through all this crazy stuff and um went from being vegetarian to eating meat and back to vegetarian, just you know, just all over the place. But the one constant was the beard, because it's terrifying. Like, I hate that I don't have this beard. <laughs> I had to shave the beard off yeah. for my, my, I don't want to say my soul, but my, you know, the whole trick in the end, it's like, the beard is not your point of power. The power is, in, you know, like, yeah. inside of you. But, um, I don't, do you know Brian Eno and all that? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He has those oblique strategy cards. I, I've, seen, I've seen those, yeah. I'm not super familiar, but I know what you're talking about. I spent one other about four or five months ago, man. That's up. I got Roku and I got the Midnight Special channel, which is the greatest channel in the world. And, um, but there's this Brian Eno, the man who fell to earth or something, but it's like a three hour Brian Eno movie about him. And it's nuts. Like he didn't know how to play it. And he was an art student. And they gave him and said, here, have this synthesizer, you know, and he would openly brag about with Roxy Music about not knowing how to play an instrument. Like he just, this and that and then when he left roxy music there was this huge like crazy whatever like not wait but like like okay big man who doesn't know how to play an instrument you got to make a record now you know and he kind of knocked it out of the park yeah whatever but he had gotten into this john cage who's like the zen guy and i ching and how to you know prompts and just how to make you make decisions according to chance or you know but they sat around in the studio and made this set of cards that's just like if you decide to do a project and you can get these cards out, it's just like if you get stuck or if you want to figure out how you started. And it's just like make the first one the last. Try it backwards. You know, it's all easy. There's a lot of other crazy. It's a hundred some odd cards. Yeah. Um, and um, and the one I saw it is something. Uh, I can't tell you what it says it in the Instagram, but it's something the Axiom. Basically, okay. it was like shed the axiom or get rid of the axiom. And I had to look. I was like, what the fuck is an axiom? <laughs> but it was a constant. 
and it was something that was considered a concrete constant or it was some kind of phrasing. And I was like, man, I'm doing all this studying. I'm trying to be self-aware. I'm trying to be a better person. I'm trying to find this. But in the end, I've always been anchored by something as silly as this beard. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. It's like all of a sudden I had a beard before there was beard culture. I had a beard, you know, like ladies love a beard, you know, break up with your lady before you shave your beard. Beard, <laughs> equal, You know, I'm just saying there's all that crazy, you know. Well, yeah, dude, I've dealt with the same thing because I've had a full beard since I was 17 years old. So I totally understand. Yeah. And I'm growing it back at some point. It's not like, you know, it didn't fall out. I'm not, you know, it's not alopecia or whatever, but, um, <laughs> But yeah, that was the kind of thing where I just, I was coming back and I was just like, man, I just, yeah. And I was like, fuck it. And starting, you know, you make sure you cut half of it off before you change your mind. So you're like, well, (laughs) rent it. And yeah, and it's just a beard. Yeah. You know, my face is a little colder and I do miss, I love my beard. I'm going to, like I said, at some point I'm going to grow it back, you know, but right now for me, like people don't recognize me. It's awesome. People are like, "You're crazy. Are you sick? Are you crazy?" You know, like when I saw that picture. I mean, because you know, you and I don't hang out or anything, but we've been friends yeah. on Facebook for a while. And I saw that picture, and I was like, oh, "Wow!" I mean, it was just a total transformation, and it makes me almost want to do it to myself. But my wife has told me many times that she does not want me to do that. <laughs> See, I don't have anybody to con- not control, but like I have, I have unfettered access to every fucking bad idea that I have. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and that's uh, that's the thing. I was like, I've been working out. I've <clears throat> I've lost twenty five pounds. Like I said, it's just my physical features are changing, anyways. And I was going to shave my head because I was kind of tired of fooling with my hair for a little bit. And that was the other thing. I was like, if I shave my head, keep the beard, that's like downgrading. That's going to go back to the way it used to look. Yeah. I was like, I should do something, you know. And that's all. It's just it's like last night. I'm working on this portrait series. Hopefully, by the end of the year. I'm calling it self-titled. I'm painting pieces of my body, you know, and being crazy. And I was dicking around, and I took the charcoal and just rubbed it down my face and took, you know, funny pictures. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And, you know, and everybody was just like, oh, apocalypse now. And I guess Boy George did something where he dripped something on his head because a lot of people were Boy George. And I'm all like, I don't even know that. I had to look that reference up. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, Boy George is fine. I'll take that. And... But yeah, you know, they're all like crying for help and all this. And it's just like, man, I can do anything I want. That's the whole thing. It's like, I'm not defined by anyone. I don't want to be defined by anyone or thing. Yeah. And that was the whole thing. It's like, I mean, my son had never seen me in 10 years without a beard. He just stares at me. It's just like, <laughs> what the fuck? You know, and it's hilarious because you don't think about it. Like, there's a person that's important in your life that's never seen you without a beard. That's crazy. You know, and like I said, he's just like, eh, it looks fine. Yeah. You grow back, you know, or whatever. But that's is just if you don't need to do it, there's no reason to do it. Yeah, you know. But that's that kind of thing to where sometimes you got to do what scares you the most, man. Oh yeah, and that definitely scares me. I've thought about it many times, but I'm yeah, I haven't quite got the courage up. One day it'll happen. Well, again, there's no, it's, if you don't need to, that's the whole thing. It's just like people get all you know, like ooh, and it's just like man. You do you. Yeah. You know, that's all. Well, speaking speaking of your son, is he musical at all? Does he think it's cool that dad's a guitarist in a rock band? Probably, but he ain't going to tell me. He's he not don't care. <laughs> um, he likes Fortnite and whatever video game stuff. Yeah. I catch him. It's real funny. Like, he just, 
like he went on tour with us. We did that Frank Turner run last summer, and he did the whole four weeks U.S. And he didn't see one show. Really? He's like, man, I know what you do for a living. I don't care. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it's just tough. You gotta imagine my house. It ain't the best house, but it is it is covered in art, tattoo stuff. I got a Hammond M3 in the living room. I got guitars everywhere. I got skateboards, fishing rods. We got an art studio, a library. He's got, I don't even know what gaming systems in his room. You know, I got, there's a loft, you know, like I built a punk rock loft in his room. I'm about to put in a dark room. We got garden stuff, you know, we went to New Orleans for a week, hung out. He came home with a Roman coin and a cobra headed cane sword. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's, uh, he's going to be maladjusted as can be. Yeah, that's but, great. Um, but then I'll catch him sometimes. Like he wanted to join strings and he's like, I want to play the viola because it's, uh, smaller and easier to carry. And I'm like, man, I don't want to burst your bubble, kid, but that viola is a little bigger than the violin. That is your John Cale instrument, you know? <laughs> and he played it. And he practiced at home on his own. And then it just like Christmas break happened and then it snowed and something. And then he kind of just was like, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And I'm trying to, there's a point where I'm like, should I force him? Cause you got to follow through. But there's also nothing worse than being like, you know, let me kill your musical dreams by forcing you to play this thing you don't want to do. Yeah. I'm trying not to involve lifelong resentments. And then every once in a while he fires up the organ and I catch him playing. He's got an amazing sense of rhythm. And a pretty good sense of melody. And then one day I was at the tattoo shop. I own this tattoo shop now, so I got to go down there and sit around and not do anything but <laughs> in the way, but just be there. Yeah. And um, I bought a trumpet for some. I was like, I want to be able to blow one note, put a contact mic on it, and run it through a sampler and do just weird shit to it. But he was like, sent a picture of this trumpet. He was like, what is this and how does it work? You know, and it's just like, oh, and he spent three days pretend blowing into that thing. <laughs> And I was like, I could get him lessons, but as soon as I said that, he'd probably be like, never mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, but then for Christmas, he got a drum set. And it was pretty hilarious. He was like, yay, drum set, okay. And then it was set up in the living room under the tree. And then, like, two nights later, he dragged the floor tom and the snare into his room, closed the door on me, and he had been playing Fortnite with his friends. But I found out these video games, they just, you can play them. But you and like six of your friends can just sit around and talk. Like you can just yeah, yeah. corner up because everybody's got like you. a mic and a headset on, right? Yeah. And he's in there making jokes, being a little fucking nerd. And then he starts, he got a kazoo and this floor tom and snare is just like boom, boom, ka-ka, boom, 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 you know, just playing <laughs> basically this polka garage rock. And, um, and I'm trying to record it through the door going, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. But, <laughs> It's just, I'm hoping, like, I think one of his friends is taking guitar lessons and just basically when he's, he's only 10, yeah. I ain't trying to be a parent that's like, my kid can skateboard, my kid plays, you know, <laughs> the blues or what I just, I'm like, man, let him, it's here when he's ready to find it. Well, yeah, my, my son is uh, almost three and my daughter is one and back here in the place I'm doing this podcast in my little studio, I have... Uh, like a junior drum set, a couple junior guitars. I've I've got everything they'll ever want, and if they never want it, that's fine. But it's going to be available to them. And that's you know my whole thing is he might be a ballerina that likes electronic music. Yeah, you know, that's fine too. But it just it's just it's funny. Like he likes to put on the free jazz records and then just blow that horn. <laughs> 
people are like, doesn't that drive you crazy? I'm like, nah, I mean, it sounds that's like awesome, man. That's great. You know, yeah. like, I was like, that, my kid's playing free jazz trumpet along with Ornette Coleman, and he's 10, <laughs> and it's 2019. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty, like, he's going to be the weird, like I said, it's just no hope whatsoever. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. So uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the future, the future of the band, and the future just of you as well. You mentioned owning the tattoo place that is Bluff City Tattoos there in Memphis, right? Can you tell me a little bit about the tattoo shop? I'm a, I'm an avid tattoo fan. I have a lot of my body covered, and you, I know that you're into American traditional, which is my favorite. I'm into the traditional man. Right now, I'm just into. I'm, I'm on my second layer on my arms. I'm getting whatever. I'm just doing whatever. Yeah, yeah. We just me and um, couple like, there's like four of us that own it, and um, and one of the owners actually tattoos Brent Hale and. We got this rock star, Claire. She does mostly just black illustrated work, but she's booked out till April, man, right now. And we got this young kid, Will, who's apprenticing, kind of first year, not really apprenticing, but his traditional stuff is awesome. And yeah, we're just, I don't know. We want to be, we just thought it'd be kind of cool. Yeah. And people are coming to it. And we've only been open three or four months. And, um, you know, I'm going to have Claire actually apprentice me so I can legally give L-Star tattoos during the block party. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. I think like the Friday before I'm going to advertise is like, I got 20 spots open. Yeah. You know, 80 bucks. Twenty dollar tip or something. I don't know. And that's one thing that our that my listeners should check out. They have the, Luc- the Lucero family block party in Memphis, right? Yep. April 13th. Awesome. And, uh, but yeah, so it's just kind of nice uh it's the same as the band kind of stuff. And I've been painting for the last two years and having art shows and I got art hanging up in there. Um, it's just the tattoo. It just, I don't know. It was like, we were talking about it and then all of a sudden we have some friends and they were like, let's make this happen. And you're like, Oh shit. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Settle down, but okay. And, uh, yeah. I'm hitting wood right now. Everything's going good so far. Well, that's great, man. So uh, what's coming up in the future for Lucero? Um, we're going to be pretty busy. Like next week, the 19th or so, we leave out to do three weeks of the Flog and Molly tour. And I think that's all East Coast, kind of upper East Coast. I think at like, the beginning of March, you guys are in Indianapolis. I'm going to try to make it out to that. Ooh, it? Oh, we're going to loop around. That's right. Yeah. Somehow... Again, as long as I get the first day, the rest of the days they'll take me where I need to go. Yeah, so totally. I don't really know until I get the laminate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I say East Coast. It's probably I think there's like Pittsburgh and Detroit too. So I just consider it just the upper block. Yeah. Um, but we'll do that, and then we come home in March, end of March, and then um, I feel like we might pick up something i'm not sure but then in april is the block party and then early may we're doing the elm street tattoo festival for two days and the rumor is that we're doing self-titled the first night wow in tennessee the second night that's awesome that's just a rumor wink wink (laughs) um i'm probably in trouble for that but it's all right and um and then um that's May. And then Red Rocks with Devil Makes Three at some point in May. Wow. Um, at the end of May. Yeah, I saw you, then, you guys are going to Spain or something or over to yeah, Europe for well, some festival, I think right? we come home from Red Rocks and something else. And then we 
early June. I got Darby from Darby Songs getting married, so I got to go to her wedding. I'm actually going to Orange Beach to watch her get married. Wow, awesome! Yeah, yeah I don't know how awesome or it, but it's funny that we're going to Orange Beach. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, you got to hit up the <laughs> hit up the Floribama down there. I know. I'm just saying is that it's going to be as redneck Riviera as it can get. Dude, and, I, I live down there so long. I got a lot of friends. If you need any help, any tour guides or anything, let me know. I don't. I, I'm going to watch her get married. And then I'm going to come right back home. Okay. And it's, uh, yeah, it, uh, I'm going to have the 10-year-old. We're not going to see any boobs <laughs> or any cookies yeah. full of beer. And, um, yeah, and then we fly. I think we're doing a festival or something in UK. And then from UK, jumping over to do that Spain festival. And then that's the end of June. Then we come home. Potentially, we take July and August off. Yeah. Just kind of whatever. There's birthdays and kids' birthdays. And... We got some stuff set up for September, and uh, there's stuff that I know about that's not I'm not it's not been written down in public, so I'm not allowed to tell people. Yeah, that's fine. I understand. A lot, of, a lot of I'm real bad about spilling the beans. They're like, <laughs> settle down. Um, but yeah, in second half of the year, um, I might we might yeah we're just basically working. Then supposedly has some demos. And as per earlier, what I'm trying to do now is to get a little jump on it. I'm like, send me them demos. I know they might change. Yeah. But let me see, you know, like, I'd like to play guitar along with this. I'd like to see where your brain is. Yeah. And so we uh, we own this building. We bought us a building last year. And we're kind of just using it for storage and practice and, you know, just cheaper than renting, I guess. Yeah. And um, so I imagine we'll go in and try to maybe – we wrote on the floor at Sam Phillips. We can write on the floor at our building that we already pay for cheaper than renting out Sam Phillips, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But Sam Phillips, they can record it all. Blah. We're just going to maybe try to do the same thing to start writing, but not be in any big hurry. That's cool, man. And so we'd like to have a new record by 2021. And uh, just, yeah, I mean, that's tour, make records, yeah. rinse and repeat, man. So, hey, I want to thank you so much again for coming on the show today. I think I've taken up enough of your time. Uh, is there any way that people can check out uh, you personally on the internet? Or you? I mean, I know you had an Instagram. It seems like it went away. It didn't. It's, 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 you on it? Um, I've been on the Instagrams for about another last six months now. Yeah. It was supposed to be a secret one, and then it just didn't work. Um, <laughs> but yeah. But I, I know that uh, the, the band is Lucero Music on Instagram. The band and, is Lucero Music. Yeah. Um, my Instagram is professor with two F's, August Balls, P-R-O-F-F-E-S-O-R-A-U-G-U-S-T-E Balls. Okay. Um, that was the disguise maker for Inspector Clouseau in the Pink Panther movies. Okay. My plan was to create a secret one and wear a bunch of disguises and create these characters and refuse to admit that it was me, never break character. Part of the beard was part of the problem. I couldn't do really full whatever because everything had a big beard out of it. So it kind of just went away. I might bring it back. <laughs> um, and then I have a website with like older paintings and I post paintings. It's thosevenableboys.com. Okay. And yeah, I just doing the damn thing. Cool, man. Well, hey, I want to just say thank you once again. And I wanted to let you know just personally for me, I love all the records you guys have done, but Tennessee and that much further west were very important records to me. So thank you very much. Man. You're very welcome, and thank you for saying that. Yeah, no problem. So uh, I will let you know when this comes out, and thank you once again for being on that one time on tour, and have a great night, man. Hell yeah, you too. Yeah. Thank you so much. Talk to you later, Brian. 
Okay. Bye. Bye. And there it was, my conversation with Mr. Brian Venable, lead guitarist for the band Lucero. Like I said, Lucero is one of my favorite bands, and getting to speak with Brian was wonderful. I want to make it out to the Lucero block party in Memphis sometime. I haven't made it out there yet, but I want to very soon. Uh, you guys need to catch them live if they're in your area. I've seen them many, many times. Like I told Brian, the last time I saw them was a couple years back in New Orleans. But you need to go see them. They're an amazing live band, and the crowds are just crazy, man. They're the most loyal. Oil fans I've ever seen. So make sure to check them out on tour. That does it for this week's episode. I want to thank you guys so much. We have charted now 12 weeks in a row on Apple Podcasts. We've also been charting on Spotify. I really appreciate the support and I'm glad that you guys enjoy what I'm putting together, you know, the content that I'm putting out into the world. It's very nice that you guys like it. It's almost like I'm in a band. Like, it, it feels the same. It feels like when I'm promoting the podcast, like it used to feel when I was promoting my band. So, thank you guys once again. I'm going to get out of here. Make sure that you are following us, like always, on the social medias. You know, I hang out on Instagram more than anywhere else. But it's just at TOTOT Podcast everywhere. Or... Go to TOTOTpodcast.com for all the links to everything. There's one more way that you can help out, and it is very, very important. Go to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or Google or wherever you consume your podcasts and write us a review. You know, give us five stars. That would really, really help out. That's how they kind of decide what podcasts get on the charts and what podcasts get put with other podcasts as far as the algorithm goes. So the more reviews that we get the better we are. So thank you so much if you've already done that. If not, it's the least you can do. Help me out, man. Come on. <laughs> okay, so I am done. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to play two Lucero songs. Pretty stoked to get to play these on the show. First up, I'm going to play Cover Me from their new record, Among the Ghosts. And after that, I'm going to play one of my personal favorite songs, Hate and Jealousy, from their 2003 masterpiece, in my opinion, That Much Further West. So I will see you guys next week. Chris out.
Uh, hey Chris, it's Scott calling in from Melbourne, Australia. Just letting you know about the Lucero show last Friday here. Um, heard one of your past episodes how uh, cold it was getting in Indiana. Well, um, last Friday here, it was probably about 38 degrees, which is about 100 degrees Fahrenheit. It is a warm one. The show was at the Corner Hotel in Richmond. It's a bit of an institution in Melbourne. Um, it's kind of like our CBGBs. It had been about seven years since they'd been in Melbourne. Um, last time they here it was a heavy metal festival, which is a bit weird. They were a uh, second band on at a small stage after a, um, uh, I don't even know who it was, like an August, August Burns Red and Mayday Parade kind of band. Um, I still remember Ben walking to the stage and pronouncing, uh, we're not a heavy metal band, we have no idea what we're doing here. It was about 88 years ago, so we've been waiting a while. It was a full house which was uh, really pleasing. Pretty pretty sure that the boys really seem genuinely stoked with the turnout. I reckon you kind of forget over the years um, what it's like to watch a band who don't just dial it in. Actually really, really enjoyed what they were doing. Pretty much stuck to a set list for the first part of the show. Played lots of tracks off the new album, but oh man, how good is Tim, my dearest wife, that track? Man, it's, it's class, absolutely class. Um, pretty much after that, it was a request and vague set list numbers. And Ben said it's been a while since they've been here, so there's a uh, there's a fair back catalogue to get with through. They ticked off tracks from so many albums, man. Um, I'm a massive fan of the Tennessee album, so I got to hear Chainlink Fence, which was brilliant. Highlights were definitely, definitely nights like these. Played the War, played Tears Don't Matter Much. He played Darling Dear Gamble. Um, played a crack of a track that he written about his daughter. I think it was called My Name's Izzy. Hasn't been recorded yet, but um, <laughs> it's a belter. Really, really hoping the good turnout and then crowd participation leads to um, another tour. <laughs> hoping not eight years from now. Anyway, man, hope you keep them well. Glad to hear your, uh, your little girl's going well. Keep punching out those podcasts, man. I look forward to one every, every week. I'm really, really looking forward to possibly an episode with Scott Redinsky from Pulley, as I keep badgering you about. Maybe one from Matt from Bronx. Um, cheers again. Keep doing what you're doing, man. You have a big audience. Take care, bud. Cheers. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.